and grace was delivered into this world. Our little granddaughter. In fact, I got a picture this morning. And um, so <laughs> she had her, her little hands up here, but her feet um, were together like this. I, I tell her she has monkey feet. <laughs> so <laughs> her little toes spread out. No, but this morning she had them together. I'm like, all right, she's praying with her, with her feet there, holding her feet together. But just a joy, um, thank you for all um, that have been praying for Trina and little Avalyn Grace. But uh, she, she was delivered. She's here. And um, so um, mom's recovering. And, uh, and then mom, dad, and um, little Avalyn are, are trying to uh, figure things out, right? <laughs> Catch their breath. And, uh, and so if you could continue to pray for them. In that sense, that would be wonderful. But just wanted to make that announcement. Uh, we're so just overjoyed by little Avalyn Grace. Um, so please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. That's where we're at this morning. We're going to continue our study through the Gospel of Luke. The title of this morning's message is Getting Things Straight. Getting Things Straight. And we're going to begin by reading Luke chapter 7 and verse 18. I still hear pages turning, which is a beautiful sound. All right. Luke chapter 7, verse 18, let's begin there. The disciples of John reported all these things to him, and John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind, he bestowed sight, and he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me." Oh, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And as we have the example here before us of John, even John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, he is asking, having sent two of his own disciples to ask whether Jesus is the one, is the Messiah indeed or not. I pray, Father, that perhaps we may have been or are in currently in that same place. Lord, that you have not been to us what perhaps we have expected you to be. And so I ask, Lord, that you would speak to us. Father, that this would be made straight by you. That you would help us to understand who it is that you desire to be in our lives. That you would be the one that we are content with, satisfied with realizing that you are everything and that nothing and no one compares to you. That there is salvation in no other name, for there, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And so, Lord, speak to us this morning. I ask, Father, that you would make things straight. Lord, clear things up in our own minds and hearts that we would find contentment and great peace with you, for you are our hope. Lord, you are our Savior and Lord. And so speak to us, I ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we read that, that uh, you would think that of all the people, John the Baptist would know exactly who Jesus was. And yet, as we see there, as he sends these two disciples to Jesus, it appears that he wasn't sure. 
Maybe John thought he knew who Jesus was, and then at the beginning, right? But then after some time, because things weren't going the way he thought they should go, he started to doubt. There are times in our lives where we could find ourselves in the same situation. Being confronted with difficulties, tough situations in our lives. Sometimes uh, the lesser ones, the ones that we could work through and know and acknowledge and give glory to God, knowing that he's with us and helping us through, is one thing. But there may come other times when we actually question the Lord. Is he with us? Is he guiding us? Is he giving us his strength? Is he really sufficient? Is he who we thought we needed him to be? I say that and some of you may be thinking, how could that be? But I tell you, even the strongest of Christians I have seen shaken in difficult times. Health, death, marriage problems, all kinds of things. Wasn't it clear who John thought Jesus was? At least we thought that, right? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I mean, it couldn't be any clearer than that. John, did you not know who Jesus was when you declared that? Perhaps we're asked the same question by those around us. Did you, when you encouraged me, did you not know who Jesus was when you declared that? When you said, stand fast, be immovable. Did you not believe that? Did, do you not understand yourself? Again, it was John who said, when seeing Jesus come to him at the Jordan River, he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1.29. John had also said, he must increase, but I must decrease. John 3.30. John also did not mind when his disciples began to follow Jesus in that time when Andrew and Peter came to him. He didn't mind that. So why is John now sending some of his disciples to Jesus to inquire as to whether he was the Messiah or not? Why? In this line of questioning, not only should we look at John the Baptist, but we should also look at how Jesus responds to this, this, this line of questioning by John's disciples. Jesus, when speaking to Pilate, said, For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. John 18, 37. You know, understand, John was not hostile toward Jesus. As we know, Pharisees, uh, some religious leaders, scribes, they were hostile toward Jesus. But John was not hostile toward Jesus. He just wanted to get things straight. And Jesus testifies of the truth to John and to everyone else who was in that place with an earshot of what Jesus was saying. But that includes us here this morning. Let me ask you this, after even having gone through that, do you have Jesus straight? Or have you perhaps responded just like, like John has? Questioning, doubting, having concerns. Is he who you thought he was when you first heard about him? Perhaps for a time until you've come to that place or perhaps you've been tested. The first question, is he the one? Is Jesus the one? As we read through those first verses, verses 18 through 23, we see that John the Baptist had a following of men who were learning from him. In fact, the term disciple uh, means a learner. A follower is one of Jesus Christ who is learning. In fact, one of those men, when they heard John say, Behold the Lamb of God, in that moment, in John 1.36, 
in that moment, he actually left John's side and started following Jesus Christ immediately. His name, Andrew. And Andrew went home and he told Simon Peter. He said, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ, the anointed one in John 141. So even Andrew in that moment, when he heard John the Baptist say what he said, in that moment, he ran home. We have found him. We have found the Messiah. He is here. But as we see here, Andrew did leave John's side and he went to Jesus. But John the Baptist did not lose all of his disciples, not yet. And he called two of them to himself. And after having heard of all that Jesus was doing and told them uh, to go to ask Jesus, because again, he had this question in his heart, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And they did just that. These two disciples of John went to Jesus and asked him this question. And the time that they were sent to ask Jesus this question, in that time that they were there, Jesus performed many miracles. He had healed many people of diseases, made many blind to see, even cast out demons. You know, it would do us good to review from time to time what John knew. And consider why he was sending these men to inquire as to whether Jesus was the one or if they were to look for another. It would do us good to consider those things that we already know. You know, this morning we partook of communion. It's a reminder of what God has already done for us. It's finished. It's a done, it's a done deal. A work that has been completed by God on the cross. Those things that we know, we ought to ask the Lord, give us remembrance of those things. We ought to do that often. I ask him, I plead with him often, Lord, remind me of those things that I already know, that I may be found faithful to you. These are the things that we already know. In fact, let's turn to John chapter 1, verse 29. John chapter 1, verse 29. I'm going to point out how it is that there were several, and these are just three examples, of people who didn't have it right prior to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and even after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So John chapter 1, verse 29, this is what we do know about John the Baptist. He said this, the next day, this is John chapter 1, verse 29, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Verse 35. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. Two days there, confessing, testifying. He seemed pretty sure, didn't it? Didn't he? Very much so. Well... Let's turn to Luke chapter 24. Just back a few pages. Luke chapter 24. Just in case you perhaps think that after the resurrection, everyone had it right. 
They did not. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened while they were uh, talking and discussing together. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that, he had, that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. This is what they were telling Jesus, which they didn't know was Jesus, on the road to Emmaus. And he started off his address to them in verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So he starts off his, his response to them in that way. So, so far, John the Baptist, even though he made the statements that he did, the declarations, understanding the moment that he was making those statements in the spirit, didn't have it right because he was sending, well, as he had that right, but he was now doubting because he just sent two of his disciples to go ask whether he is the one, the Christ, the Messiah, or shall we look for someone else? And then now we see the two disciples that are on the road to Emmaus, and they're sad. Why are they sad? Why? Because they were expecting something else from Jesus. John chapter 20. Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. John chapter 20, verse 24. Now, Thomas. And get this, he was one of the what? One of the 12? One of the 12. Were you one of the 12? He was one of the 12. Called the twin. Was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Thomas. That is wild, isn't it? After all that he had taught for three years, Jesus taught them, told them he was going to the cross. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus, Thomas and John, being full of the Holy Spirit from the time he was in the womb of his mother, didn't fully understand, didn't grasp 
what Jesus had been teaching and what he did. Perhaps John, along with the rest, expected Jesus to deliver them politically. Oh, Lord, make all things just, like, peaceful. Can you, can you like, just deliver us from Rome? Can you make all things easy? Maybe Jesus wasn't doing what they expected him to do. And it was because he wasn't doing everything that they expected him to do. Then that led to them doubting who he really was. Are you really who you say you are? I thought you were the son of God. Then we come up with questions like this. If he is God, right? The question always starts out like that. If he is God, then why does he allow and just fill in the blank? A couple of my favorite verses. I'm going to share this with you. Why? Because I just, I, I, I need this reminder often. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are than your thoughts. Oh, keep, keep, keep that underlined. Uh, put a tab on that. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Because we need to be reminded. I need to be reminded of that often. His ways and his, his thoughts are not our ways and our thoughts. His ways are perfect. His thoughts are perfect. And mine are nowhere close to that. If we had everything figured out, then God would not be God. So again, maybe in that moment, and we know with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, John the Baptist, it seems like, he, and by the way, he's in jail at this very moment. And then Thomas, of course, maybe he just wasn't doing what they expected him to do. And because of that, they started to doubt is that not what is happening with many people today? So it's the same thing. Maybe you've done the same thing and then ask if you should be looking, perhaps I should be looking for someone else or something else. Maybe I should be looking for the answer to my problems in the bottom of a bottle. You know, marijuana is legalized. Why don't, why don't I just uh, go and partake of that? It'll kind of relax me a bit. Maybe it's an affair. Maybe that's where it's all going to be made well. Something new, you know, and exciting. Something that will fulfill me, myself, and I. The problem is, is always when we look to ourselves and not to Jesus Christ. That's always where the problem starts. Is that not what these men were doing? John, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, Thomas, unless I see, I experience, I will not believe. Jesus did not deliver us from Roman rule. Therefore, I, I don't even know why he came. Oh, there's some things that we, we may not say with our mouths, but we, we scream it by our actions. Telling Jesus, you are not enough. You're just not it. Well, Jesus did respond by telling them, Simply to report to John, hey, listen, tell him what you have seen. The miracles that you've seen performed. Why? For this reason. They are a fulfillment of prophecy. That's what that is. So go back and tell him. John should know these things. What are they in fulfillment of? Well, Isaiah, just to name a few, Isaiah 26, 19, Isaiah 35, 5 and 6. 
in Isaiah 61, 1 and 11, just to name a few. The lame see, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the demon-possessed are delivered. Is this not sufficient for you? Go back and tell them. That's enough. You see, John's disciples were implying by their question that Jesus had not done enough to prove that he was the Messiah. It's interesting. Over the course of three years, he had taught, he had demonstrated all of these things. Up to that point, he had done more than plenty. But again, we can do the very same thing. When we are in a situation like John was, maybe we can ask the same question of Jesus. But Jesus said, And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Why did he say, what, what's, what does that even mean? Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Listen, when Jesus is not who you expected him to be, or he does not do what you thought he would do, he might then be the cause of your troubled heart. Because you have the wrong picture of him. You do not have a proper understanding of who he is. It's not he who is wrong, but you. He may be the one that you're offended by because he hasn't done what you expected him to do. I know people who get angry with God because he didn't do for them what they expected him to do for them. Again, when there's just some common problems, it's kind of like on the surface, normal everyday things that you could deal with. Okay, you don't so far as get into, you know, like get bitter or angry with them. But the moment someone close to you dies, when you experience an illness that is debilitating, oh, that's when the challenges come. And they are great. You pray and you plead and you cry, Lord, please do this. And if it is his will to not do that because he is doing a different work other than what you expected him to do in that situation, that's when you can get bitter and angry. Oh, brothers and sisters, I know this all too well. Don't fall into that. Again, I had mentioned earlier that perhaps John was expecting Jesus being who he said he was to deliver him from jail. Don't you know, Jesus, I am your forerunner. I am the one that was announcing to the world your arrival. Can't you at least give me some favor and get me out of here? When you fully understand who Jesus is and what he came to do to seek and save the lost, according to Luke 19.10, and how you have come to know salvation in him by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and you determine that this is enough, then you will truly, truly be satisfied in him. You will know that peace that surpasses all understanding, knowing that godliness with contentment is great gain. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When we simply say, Lord, do what you will with my life. I have been purchased with the lifeblood of Jesus Christ. My life no longer belongs to me. For you is Jesus the one. Verse 24, as we continue, what did you expect? Verse 24 it says, when John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? 
Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. So he turns around and he starts addressing the people. What, what did you expect to see when you went out to hear and see John the Baptist? So Jesus sends John's disciples back to John to answer him. Jesus turns to the crowds and begins to talk to them about John. Because they considered John to be a great man, a respected man. But Jesus wanted to point some important things out about this man who was indeed great, but that they should consider those who would believe who Jesus is after him, the one to whom he pointed them to. And Jesus first asked them if they expected to see a weak man who was dressed perhaps in nice clothes, comfortable, pursuing his own benefits. Is that who you expected to see? Is that who you went out to hear? And it wasn't who they saw. It wasn't who they experienced. No, John was a, a man of conviction. If anything, he was in, in clothing that would be extremely uncomfortable for you and I. For anyone. He was a man who could not be swayed and had no concern for how he was thought of. He simply knew he was a servant of God, a special messenger of God. In fact, he was a forerunner of Jesus Christ, and he knew this clearly. His message was clear. As he was given to being faithful to God and what he was called to do. Did they come out to see a prophet? Yes. Indeed, he was a prophet and even more. John, again, was a forerunner of Jesus Christ, a man who was sent to prepare the way for the Lord, the Messiah himself. Well, the other prophets said Jesus was coming. John said Jesus is here. In fact, Jesus quoted Malachi 3.1 saying, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. So Jesus was testifying of exactly who John was. John had testified of who Jesus is. This is the point that he wanted to drive home with those who were listening. Who are they expecting he was simply a witness to who Jesus was. What were they expecting? But Jesus continues to address them. In verse 28, we pick up saying, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. So the question is, why would those who are least in the kingdom of God be greater than he? That is John the Baptist. Because remember that John the Baptist lived prior to the new covenant, being ratified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so therefore, those who came after knew the benefits of the new covenant, whereas John the Baptist did not. He died before the crucifixion, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. C.H. Spurgeon said this, quote, the least in the gospel stands on higher ground than the greatest under the law. Close quote. And so after saying these things, we see some responses. Two responses to what Jesus said. Those who had been prepared with the baptism of repentance received what Jesus said. In contrast to that, those who had not been prepared with the baptism of repentance did not receive what Jesus said. It's very simple, very clear. It's one camp and the other. There's no in-between. It's either for or against. Those who humbled themselves and repented of their sins, their hearts were prepared to receive what Jesus had to say to them. Those who were prideful, arrogant, full of themselves, 
rejected what John the Baptist was there to do to prepare them for this? Well, they simply rejected Jesus Christ and his words. The religious people did not see a need for Jesus. They thought they were just fine. You know, those who in this world who think and they stand as if they, they knew exactly what was going to happen to them. They stand in opposition to Jesus Christ. They are actually very religious because they have faith in themselves. They have faith in the things of the world. In their own works. In their own intelligence. In their own knowledge. You see, even an atheist is a worshiper, is a worshiper of themselves. They believe that they have a higher knowledge and a higher understanding, and they're dogmatic about where they stand. These religious people didn't see. Luke chapter 5, verse 29, this tax collector, Levi, made a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see, the moment that uh, we realize that we, um, that we are those people that Romans 3.10 speaks of, none is righteous, no, not one, that's me. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that's me. I, I haven't kept the law perfectly. Is the moment you realize I am sick and I am in need of a physician. I am bankrupt spiritually and I am in desperate need of a savior that's where our hearts need to be in order for us to receive the free gift that God has offered to us through the son Jesus Christ not because we merited that favor simply because he knew that we couldn't do it without the son of God having shed his blood on the cross in payment for our sins. We couldn't have done it. Greater are you if you believe. John 20, 29 says, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And these are the words that Jesus spoke to Thomas after he showed himself to Thomas. Oh, take a look. Thomas, you, you said you wanted to see. Take a look. In fact, put your hand in my side. Oh, Lord, my God. You see, Jesus, even in this explanation, in these words, his desire is that all of his hearers would get this straight. Verse 31 says, To what then shall I compare the people of this generation, and what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. The son of man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet, wisdom is justified by all her children. You see, Jesus was addressing now those who had rejected him. Uh, the second group of men here, it says, but the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. And so now he turns his attention to a smaller group. It was everyone at one point, and then now he turns his attention to them. He said, how, how should 
this world, how should you be described? What, what is really your nature? What is your inclination? Critical of everything. Never satisfied. No matter what John or Jesus did, or uh, these people would not be satisfied, no matter what they did. Never satisfied whatsoever. You see, they weren't asking questions to understand. Remember that they were just asking questions to try and catch him in some way to accuse him. So they weren't seeking to understand. They just wanted to, to listen closely to see if they could, they could catch something that was a little off, that they could accuse him. No matter what John or Jesus said, these people would not be satisfied. Why is that? It's because these people determined what they believe should have been said and done. And if it wasn't that way, then it wasn't so. They wouldn't be satisfied. I'm going to ask you a question, and you tell me what I want you to say. That's, in essence, what they were telling Jesus and John. I'm going to ask you a question, but you answer me the way I want you, and I'm demanding for you to answer me. Why ask the question at all? Again, of course, the intention is questionable, right? But we know, of course, we know from Scripture the reason why it is that they were asking these questions and then not receiving from Jesus what he was saying. These are the very ones that would send him to the cross. The examples that Jesus gave was right after that. They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not weep. John was a man who lived a simple life, denying himself all forms of indulgences. So in the eyes of the people, they thought, well, he's weird. He's crazy. <laughs> in fact, he's demon-possessed. Jesus, on the other hand, well, he was a friend of tax collectors and was also a glutton and a drunkard, is what they were saying. Like, man, you see John for who he is, you see Jesus for who he is, it's like doing quite the opposite. We sing a happy song and you get sad. We sing a sad song and you get happy. It's like, what, what's going on here? You understand? It's like there's, there's something wrong. They had this wrong at that point, and people today still try this very thing and have it wrong. Jesus was not a friend of tax collectors and sinners in the way that those who want to compromise in the world say it is. This is exactly what the religious leaders were accusing Jesus of. By the way, those who want to partake of the world as the world will say, hey, we live under grace. You know, this is just how I am. And so, you know, when in Rome, like, really? No, we're called to be separate. In fact, we're called to be peculiar people. Like, hmm, they're different. They're separate from the world. Jesus, even when he was praying to the Father, referred to his people as being in the world, but not of the world. In fact, he, he, as he prayed to the Father, he said, I, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you would sanctify them, set them apart, and then strengthen them, purify them, that you would do that. Jesus was not like them or affirming them in their sin by being tolerant of it. Because remember, Jesus called people to repent. That was his first sermon. Repent. For the kingdom of God is here. Repent means to 
have a complete change of mind. Your whole perspective changes. It's not just a, um, an exercise of the will. It's a complete surrender of the person. Sometimes we think, oh, it's just a changing of mind, our will. We're going to do, and that's, by the way, done in your own effort. It won't last long, I'm telling you. It will not last long. But when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you repent of your sin, uh, it means that your will doesn't belong to you anymore. You completely give yourself to Jesus Christ. You submit yourself to him. You subject your, yourself to his lordship completely. That's what he desired. He, he wasn't hanging out with gluttons and, and wine bibbers, these drunkards, like, ah, yeah, I'm just affirming them in their lifestyle. Nope. He was calling them to repent as well. For anyone who just overlooks those things, Romans 132 would speak to that. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. You need to be careful that we are not giving approval to those who practice those things by just simply ignoring them. We can love others, but listen, love speaks the truth. And so Jesus wasn't giving approval. This is what they were t saying, accusing him of. But he wasn't giving approval or ignoring sin. He was there to lead them to repentance because he wishes that no one perish, but that all reach repentance, 2 Peter 3, 3, 9. And you can't do that by ignoring sin, calling people to repent. Wise people, in fact, so yet wisdom is justified by all her children. It's important to underline it. This is what that means. Wise people will be proven by their decisions. Wise people will be proven by the decisions that they make. That's what that means. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. What he was saying with this is the wise would have received both John and Jesus. This is important to get straight. So I'll leave you with this. And by the way, this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The world will tell you all roads lead to God. They lead to God. All roads do. But only one to his glory. All the other ones lead to judgment and to eternal condemnation. One day you will have to give an account before God. But there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we shall be saved. That's the one thing to get straight. This side of eternity, you need to get that straight. So the question is, who is Jesus to you? Desires that you know him as Lord and Savior that you may know eternal life in him and that you will be satisfied and enjoy him, find great pleasure in him, that you will submit to his lordship and so walk in the spirit and fulfill his will in your life, that you will prove to be wise by the decisions that you make, starting with this one right here. Do you have Jesus right I pray that you do. Again, um, as I talk about salvation, if you have any questions about that, I do not want you to leave without having the answers to that. If you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, then I would invite you to come up afterwards and ask. I'll be up here and others will be up here to answer any questions that you have. Also, anyone who um, needs prayer for any reason whatsoever. We can rejoice with you and, you know, for those things that God's doing in your life and then also pray with you 
over those things that perhaps are, are troubling you. We are here to serve you. But let's get Jesus straight, right? If anything, that is who we need to have right in our lives. May you know salvation today and then walk in it. Amen? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your salvation. Salvation belongs to you. And so I thank you, Lord, that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we believe that Jesus is the only way to your glory, eternal life with you. And Lord, I, I do confess for us, Lord, because, oh, there are times when things happen in our lives that we can do the same thing that Thomas did, that the two, ro- the, the, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus did, and, and even John did, Lord. And that is to, to doubt or to question. Oh, Father, forgive us. Help us to be content, satisfied in the fact that we belong to you, that we have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and that one day we will be in all of your glory. For now, Lord, do with us what you will. Only bless yourself, honor, uh, glorify yourself. Lord, may we honor you and be found faithful to you in all things. Save those who need to be saved today. May there be a, a humility about that person who perhaps is questioning whether they should or not. Lord, may may you break down any hardness of heart that is being experienced right now. And Lord, may you remind them how much you love them. The extent to which you went to demonstrate your love toward them and that while we were all still sinners, Christ died for us. And may they respond to you, Lord, by completely surrendering their lives to you. For in so doing, they will know the forgiveness of their sins. And they will know that they belong to you. I thank you, Lord, and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.